Hey, welcome to the Crime Juicy Podcast. I'm Carrie Ann. I'm Krista. I'm Becca. We have a special guest with us, Marjorie, and she will be telling us why Bob is not okay. Hello. We are covering a murder today that hits very close to home. On June 18th, 2021, just days after her marriage to Arkansas man Billy Deathridge, 48-year-old Lori Ann Deathridge was shot dead in her Robbinsdale, Minnesota home. Lori was killed by her ex-husband, 64-year-old Robert Dwayne McLeod. Robert Dwayne McLeod still had keys to her house, so he let himself in. He entered the home and found found her laying in bed. When she reached for the phone, he shot her. He left the scene and he was arrested around 9 p.m. in his Brooklyn Center, Minnesota home after a 10-hour standoff with police. He said that he'd planned to kill himself after killing Lori, but then he didn't. He just left. What prompted the murder? McLeod claims he didn't want, quote unquote, that hillbilly to get all his shit. That's exactly what he said. I think this hillbilly is going to get all his shit. Well, he didn't want the hillbilly to get all of his stuff and his wife. So Sense. he could have one or the other, but he couldn't have it all. Mm-hmm. And with us today is Marjorie, because these things do not happen in a vacuum. And we have, I guess, the spooky, unfortunate privilege of having a special eye on the situation. How do you know these guys? I met Lori online years and years and years ago in a place where we both sort of escaped online. I was in a struggling, bad, bad relationship marriage. And so we both really enjoyed a certain author's books. And this author had put up a role play game for fan fiction online. I even got involved. (laughs) Who was it? It was Sherry Lane Kenyon and her Dark Hunter. (laughs) You could create your own characters and you could play with her characters from her Dark Hunter series. And you could write fan fiction and create these soap opera-esque romance novel books. I did that before I published my own novels. And her name... like your novels real quick? They're actually all out of print. And I have a couple on Amazon that are lesbian romances now, but my original sword-swinging medieval romance, Supermarket Smut, is all out of print now. That's how long ago this was. Oh, Supermarket Smut. I love that. I actually saw, before I met Marjorie, the year before I met Marjorie, I found some of her Supermarket Smut at a used book sale in Bullitt, Wisconsin. I remember picking it up. I think it was, what is it, The The Sword and the Pearl? The jewel and the sword. The jewel and the sword. The jewel and the sword. And my friend and I looked at it. We're like, I wonder what that's about. And I sold that book to the publisher because I think it's in chapter three or four. The hero is tied naked to a bed. She didn't even read the rest of the book. She's like, sold. We're buying this novel. But anyway, so before I wrote that, I was in this fan fiction group. And so was Lori Winkleman. She went by Wink. And that's because that was her name when she was in the Air Force. She had since been married. Her last name was McLeod when we met. And we just would chat back and forth in this fan fiction group. After a couple of years, there came a conference. That first conference was in St. Louis. And we both went and we met in person and we just kind of hit it off. So the next year's conference was after I published my first novel and we roomed together and we became even closer and we would talk on the phone in between these conferences. It wasn't just online anymore. And she was so much fun going and she got me into places even as an author that 
these conferences that I would never have gotten into because she was this cute Midwestern girl with the long silky hair and the great big brown eyes and all the male cover cover models, the Fabios, you know, they were just all over her and it was so much fun. I can remember one conference that we were at, we were rooming with somebody known as the sexy chocolatier. Did I tell you about this, Carrie? No. So the chocolatier would pay for part of her conference fees and I think her entire hotel bill. She roomed with us by selling X-rated chocolates at the conference and she would bring them with her from home. And so we're talking about more than life-size penis-shaped solid chocolates. Like nice. Really nice solid chocolates. And so the first night of the conference was before Lori had arrived and she was giving one away for free based on one's certain ability to taste this chocolate penis. And I won. I was saying. So I had this very large chocolate item on my bedside table when Lori arrived. What I did not know is that she had promised to make matching pants as part of a costume for all of the male cover models for one of their dance routines. And she'd been working on them at home for a couple of months, but she could not finish the waistlines or the zippers until she got to the conference because she had to measure everyone's inseam and waist. So she calls me to tell me I'm here. I'm at the hotel. I'm checked in and I'm in our room. I go racing up to our room and I find Lori with really good looking, sexy, bare chested cover models and a giant, chocolate cock on my bedside table with teeth marks three quarters of the way down. Yeah, they'd seen it. That's the kind of person Lori was. She had no precursor about inviting 12 strange men, 13 strange men into your room and not telling you. That was Lori. And she was so much fun at these that I never suspected for a minute she was having trouble at home. But it turns out that her husband, just like mine, When I would get to these conferences, Carrie went to one with me. I didn't sleep for 48 hours, 72 hours. You didn't sleep. She didn't. I didn't. I think some people did, but I didn't. I ran around like a crazy person, drinking, smoking, and so did Lori. And that's kind of where we connected at the conferences. And it never dawned on me to wonder why she was doing that, that it was the same reason I was. They were out of the box. And that her, yeah. That her husband was as vile and mean as mine was. Because she would call me sometimes and she'd say, I kind of want to get a divorce. It was never, oh my God, I have to get out of here. I have to save my own life. I have to run. And it never occurred to me that I would say the same exact thing to her. We were both hiding and not telling each other the truth. I was doing it out of shame and I can only imagine that she was doing the exact same thing. And I don't know if her family even knew how horrible he was to her. I finally left Keith before she left Bob because I was in my apartment. Carrie, God bless you. God bless Carrie. Carrie and two of our mutual friends came to my house. He went to work and Carrie and two of our friends came over and we moved out of a three-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath home and into a two-bedroom, one-bath apartment, including hanging pictures on the wall and getting rid of all of the boxes and stuffing in one night so that I couldn't be persuaded to change my mind if he found me and moved back. The pictures were on the damn wall. She couldn't leave. It looked like I'd lived there for a year. 
by the time those guys left me the next day. Then the following day, because we basically slept that day away, the following day, Carrie came over, took my hand to the supermarket. Anyway, it was about two weeks after that that I got a call from Lori and she left me a voicemail. I'm going to try to do this justice. Okay, wait, wait, wait. You got to remember, Marjorie still doesn't have cable, internet. She's waiting for all these things to be hooked up. I don't even think she has a damn house phone, right? You don't have shit. I don't have a house phone. I have my cell phone, but it doesn't have internet on it. Back in the days that this happened, you didn't have, it wasn't a smartphone. It was a little flip phone, you know? I think it was the Ferrari phone from Nextel. <laughs> it was the I Ferrari remember, phone. I forgot about that phone. It was the Slimmy Waistline Ferrari phone. And uh, I get this message. I'm driving in my Mustang. Oh, the getaway car. That, oh, that Mustang I had. Everybody yeah. called it the getaway car because... You know who bought it like a month before I left his ass. But anyway, it out. Yeah, I do it. I got this message and I'm going to try to do Lori justice because remember, she was from Minnesota. I'm okay and Bob's okay and everybody we know is okay so far. I just want you to know that I take that route to work every day, but I stayed home today. So I'm okay and Bob's okay. Uh, I'll catch you more later. In Minneapolis on this day, it was in 2007 and it was when the 35W bridge over the Mississippi River collapsed. Exactly. But I didn't know that. I don't have cable. I'm like, you can't be cryptic. What the heck are you talking about? But it was. It was the bridge collapse. And so from that point on, with me and Carrie, and we never told Lori this, but anytime anything looks like it was going to fail or it was going to falter or a plan wasn't going to come together, we just, it was okay. Because Bob's okay, and I'm okay, and everything's okay so far. Let me tell you this about Lori, too. Lori knew she was a Midwestern girl and that she was gorgeous. She knew she could woo men off their feet. She could flirt with the best of them. When she was at these conferences and all the little boys and their little boy brains were chasing her around, she knew she was playing. She always had the married card, but things were going to go too far, too far. (laughs) And we would watch out for her. I remember I called one cover model who had taken her a little too far down the from here to eternity beach. And I called his cell phone and I was, you get her back here right now, you little long haired girly ass son of a bitch. She's a married woman and she's drunk bring her back now, you know, and he did, but I can remember one Billy, he, I walk into this Cosmo party and he says, Hey Marjorie, where's Lori? And like one sentence, no breath, inhale, no differentiate. There was not a semicolon, a comma, nothing in between those two sentences. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, hello, human being right here, you know? So she knew she had it going on. You're sitting at home the other day. I was sitting at home a year ago or two years ago. Gosh, we saw the news or she was the kind of person that when I would talk on the phone with her, she liked to tell me everything she was doing. And as soon as the conversation turned to what I was doing, she had to go, you know? And uh, so there were times that I have an aunt like that. It's just some people like to talk. I'm doing a lot of talking right now, but I didn't always answer her call. Is what I'm saying. You don't always have the bandwidth for that kind of conversation. Right. And so I didn't always answer her call and I didn't always call her back. I'm not a phone talker. I don't. It's only been the last year that I've called Carrie Ann regularly. I mean, I'm, I don't call my own kids regularly and I should, but I don't. And so 
my my wife is sitting when on the we had seat. a cell phone store. It took me months for her to get a cell phone from the store. It did. And then I liked the text, the push to talk more than I liked the phone. She liked, you did like that. I liked it too. I miss it. But um, I was sitting on one sofa watching TV and Becky was on the other sofa so she could look at me, she says. And she's scrolling through Facebook and something came up on her Facebook. I don't know how it reached her feed, but it was Lori's sister or cousin commenting something about i hope he burns in hell or how could he take you away or something like that so she investigated it before she said anything to me and she says your friend out in minnesota that's Lori mcleod right and i said yeah I, we were invited to the wedding of course but i declined and i wished them well on the facebook page on the event page and because she says she's dead and I'm like she just got married she just got married like not even a week ago <laughs> that's not possible she can't be dead and i she rushed over with the phone and we looked it up and i was just i was like, bob what the fuck and i i lost it i i thought of every single time i ignored her phone call every single time i drifted off while she was telling me about a photo shoot she did cuz oh she was a model for a while and was just she was so proud when she got a job after she went to medical transcription school or I think it was re medical record coding or office assistant. And she was so proud of herself. It immediately hit me that I wasn't a very good friend to her and that I should have known that Bob was that horrible. I should have seen the signs because I lived them with her. And how did I not recognize that? doesn't make you a bad friend. That? Yeah. It doesn't make it you a bad friend. How long did it take me to figure out about Keith? And the only reason why I figured out about Keith, it was over a two or three month period really that at all you really started letting it out yeah and i'm I've, i got past that to where i realized that i was really really good at hiding it from people and if i was really good at it so was she i was only seeing what she was allowing me to see the same way that other people were only allowing only seeing what i allowed them to see and so what i'm hoping that the listeners on your show will hear is Let's stop hiding it. Because he wasn't, a, they weren't beaters, you guys. They didn't beat the shit out of Marjorie and Lori. I didn't need the concealing pack. I didn't have bruises to cover. I didn't get shot, but I was held captive for eight hours in my own room with my daughter in the next room. I do want to bring something up here about domestic violence. It can continue and even escalate after the relationship ends. And the most dangerous time for someone who is involved in a domestic violence situation is after the breakup because at that point they've lost leverage over you and they freak out. It's like destruction mode. Yeah. And it's it's horrible too because he had provided an atmosphere to make her feel safe. Two days before he killed her, or let's back up. Five days before he killed her, he attended the wedding. Wow. And two days before he killed her, as she was packing up the house for the move to Arkansas, because she was moving out of state and selling the house, she had called me and said she was moving down there. I did take that call. Two days before, he had been at the house drinking beers with Billy, just laughing up a storm, having a good old boy time. He pretended to like her new husband. I can just see him playing lawn darts or cornhole or whatever. He pretended everything was okay. Because Bob's okay. 
We're all you know, okay and, so you know, far. I'm okay and Bob's okay. He had the key to her and house, I, right? She trusted him to that level to have the yeah, key to her house. Yeah, he had though. a key. That's how they found a key to her house on his kitchen counter when they arrested him. They know he had a key. There was no sign of a break-in. He didn't have to break in. He had to keep the house. Mm-hmm. Probably because there was a lot of his stuff still there. When he moved out, he didn't take everything that he owned. He was probably had access to it because it was a, it, they weren't fighting. It was amenable. He made him think everything was okay. When did they officially get divorced? I want to say it was a couple of years after mine. We did have to look up records, but around 2009, 2010. Oh, wow. So this has been a while. They've been divorced a while. And how long were they married? Oh, at least 15, maybe 20 years. Damn. They were married a long time. Damn. He was more of the verbally abusive and more of that emotional. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. And that's how mine was too. And so when we got to our conferences once a year, we were literally acting like animals let out of a cage. I can remember being so jealous of her because she was, she was walking across the Daytona beach plaza outside the Hilton with a certain Viking actor. Not Andre. Andre. I fucking knew it that and I was suffering from the early stages of chronic fatigue syndrome. My Epstein bar was raging. Okay. I was on my 72 hour initial not sleeping phase of the conference. I was well into my cups. I did have a low grade fever that I was unaware of. And I'm screaming at the top of my lungs at both of them that he's sliding up against the wrong roommate (laughs) that she was never going to put out. And damn it, I'm going to the street and finding a local, god damn it. Awesome. (laughs) I was so mad at her. So mad at her. Because she was just all the odd guy. I had to hear all about it. She'd call me. Oh, yeah. And I knew her as Wink. And so I'd be jealous with Marjorie. Be like, fuck her. Yeah. Go get your, go get your dick. But neither one of them held it against me. They knew I was been drinking and whatever. And that was the year that Andre was in the room right next to us. I would knock on the wall every time I got into the room and he'd knock back. If he got into the room, he'd knock. And if I was in the room, I'd knock back. Buddy systems. Yeah, he was just just on Vikings. He killed. He was the one that killed Bjorn. Oh, okay. Yeah. He wasn't on anything then. I met him the same year that I met Wink or Lori for the first time. Because some hoochie mama stole my dance that I bought with a cover model. It was my turn to dance with this cute little blonde boy. Some hoochie lady stole it. And I'm I'm all sad on the sidelines, just like I'm back in high school or something. And Andre came up behind beside me and I heard this voice saying, I will dance with you. Mm. And I look over at this Mediterranean long black hair. I'm like, you're going to win Mr. Romance. And he did. did. Lori wasn't did happy about that because she, she liked another guy and he won the next year. Her guy won the next year. It's yeah. such an intense double life, though, that y'all were both leading where it was yeah. like. We were both leading that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. She would run around with these cover models and they just would have so much fun with her and she would have fun with them. I'm talking about most of the people at these conferences, they're doing their dream thing, buying books and talking books, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And me and Lori. We're in the hot tub with six of the guys that are on the cover of those books having, you know, mimosas and yeah. And I wouldn't have been able to do that if I wasn't with Lori. She looked fantastic in a bikini. I looked like 
the glass the mimosa was in. I mean, I never would have had that kind of access. So, yeah. I was like a little tag along to Little Miss Gorgeous. And but what was it she- going back home after those conferences, like the last day and then like the, yeah. It was, it was a reality check because you had to put on your, oh, it was just work face, you know, mm-hmm. never took pictures. Oh, neither Lori nor I had camera. I think I took pictures the first trip because I didn't know how to work the system yet. You know, <laughs> dancing with Andre was as bad as it got that first trip. The next three, yeah, no cameras, no evidence at all. But uh, you got home and it just went back to normal. You hid online, you wrote your little stories and you tried to not make any noise. You made as little noise as possible. What did Lori do from after being divorced in 2009 between then and now? I think she learned how to live again. I mean, she was back in her relationship with Billy. She'd known him when she was in the Air Force. When she was like 19, 20 years old. And so they had reconnected. And it was through her relationship with him that she got the strength to get divorced. Oh, so she had reconnected before they got a divorce. Yeah. I don't think she was having like an active affair with him. I think that would have been past the point that she would. I don't think she would ever have been unfaithful to Bob. She was having emotional Um, affairs. She was having an emotional affair, Krista. Exactly. And I think that having crossed that line, she had to get divorced. She had somewhere soft to land. But like me, she was terrified of leaving without a place to land. Me, I had crossed to the point of no return in other ways. I was going to land on the rocks. And if I died, I died kind of a thing. (laughs) Carrie was my soft place to land. She did the work herself. Don't let me take any credit. Ever. Shut up. Whatever. We have really good friends. It seems like we always have done that, pulled people together that are good people. We might not have any money, but we get it done. I wish Lori had had that sooner. Maybe she could have gotten farther away from Bob. But again, he hid so well any animosity that he had. I just don't know. That's crazy that he was able to do that for that long. 10 years, you guys, 12 years, 13 years. Yeah, why? Maybe the animosity didn't start growing until she did fall back into an actual relationship, a love relationship. If she was just friends with Billy for a long time. Yeah. And then it turned into something more than that. And then all of a sudden it's that hillbilly. Yeah, Yeah, now now stuff's going to that hillbilly. He's going to get my house. He's going to get the money from my house. And he's going to get my wife. Well, and that just shows that he, even after all those years, he still thinks of her as his property. Yeah. Exactly. That's, yeah. It's like it was very patriarchal. Yeah. Hmm. Fascinating. I did get to laugh through tears today preparing for this. My son and daughter were talking about how she's my stepdaughter. And when she was a kid, she used to go back to Michigan every summer to spend time with a childhood friend on their dime. This little girl was spoiled rotten. And so her parents would pay for Sherry to go back every summer for two weeks. And they lived around 12 miles outside of Detroit. I think it was 12 miles. Anyway, she would fly out there. And so my son mentioned, well, you spent half your childhood out there in Minnesota and Sherry's and Jason's like same difference I'm like no Kid Rock Lori not the same Marshall Mathers Lori everybody started laughing because Lori was this really cute perky midwestern gal and then 
you know, Eminem, <laughs> not the same. And everybody started laughing. And before I was done, I was crying. Mm-hmm. So that was a nice moment. I mean, I wasn't sobbing. I just, my, my eyes were a little bit wet for a second, but I sucked it back because, you know, I'm tough. Did Lori and Bob have kids? No, no, thank God. Okay. I would not wish these kind of memories for anybody. So I'm very pleased that, no, they, they did not have children. Okay. I don't think Bob had any children children from any prior relationships. He was considerably older than her, right? Like okay. 20 something years older. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. before and she was Because he's in his 60s and she was 48. So he's like 17, year. 18 years older. Wait, 64, 48. Oh, I, I can't do head math. What did Bob do for a living now? He was retired, I think. I'm not sure what he did for a living when he was working. Okay. She was on 100% military disability. Okay. She tried working. She tried several careers, but she'd been in a terrible car accident. And that's what led to her dismissal from the armed forces. Okay. And her back just grew worse and worse over time, collapsing vertebrae and things like that. And so after her final surgeries, she just, she couldn't sit at a desk job. She couldn't stand at a manual job. It was, it qualified her for 100% disability. Oh, wow. Okay. She occupied herself volunteering and she did some sewing, making costumes, beautiful medieval costumes. And then she would volunteer when there were the weekend Renaissance fairs. She oh, would yeah. man the booth and educate people on history and things like that to give back. Nice. And also sell, you know, cock chocolates. No, that was a different gal. We got to meet that lady. We got to she facilitated the cock shop. She facilitated. <laughs> she helped facilitate because we all would. We'd all be like, yeah, we live with the exotic chocolatier. Erotic chocolatier, we called her. That's what it I was. Love it. And I love it. that year, her cooler, which she would check into checked baggage on the plane, had the, uh, your bag has been opened and searched by the, by the whatever. Nice. The TSA that has searched like, your bag. And eaten your dick. <laughs> so I wonder what they thought when they opened this cooler. Yeah, they're probably what. <laughs> Because she was LGBT friendly, here for the gals too. Nice, but that's awesome. Then she married the hillbilly when he wasn't a hillbilly, still alive, correct? Yeah, and Mm -hmm. heartbroken. They were married for five days. They got married on Father's Day, which was a Sunday, and she was killed on a Friday. Oh my god, awful! And Billy was on the road halfway to his place in Arkansas. She was packing up and about to go meet him there. Yes, exactly. Her family called her to just like, what do you want to do? Like, do you need some help or whatever? They tried to contact her and couldn't contact her. They called Billy. Billy tried to reach her, couldn't reach her. So they called for a welfare check and the police went over. She didn't come to the door, so they let themselves in. I don't know how, if they broke the door down, went in through a window, I don't know. But they got in the house and they found her in the bedroom. I think the information for when that she reached for the phone came from him, came from Bob. Yeah. Originally, I thought he found her napping or something, or he held her hostage for a while. But I kind of pictured in my head now that, you know, he walked into the house with a gun and she dove for the phone and he just shot her immediately. As he said, he had premeditated the murder that he went over with the intention of killing her and then killing himself. He sent videos to all of his family members. Oh. Thumbnail videos to every single member of his family that said he's got to take care of business with Lori, but then he, that he was going to kill himself and he was saying goodbye to all of his family members. And he mailed those the day prior. Oh my God. They received those thumbnails in the mail after he was arrested. 
Wow. Do you think he got caught by the police before he was able to kill himself? Or do you think he never intended on killing himself, really? I think he had every intention of killing himself and he chickened out. I think he didn't have the balls to do it. Didn't they have him hold up in the house for a minute? Yeah, they had a Not ten, ten at his house. house. Yeah, ten hour standoff at his home. He went home. And throughout it, home. too, at the end, he said, didn't he say, you caught a murderer and prevented a suicide? Like something douchey poetic it like sounds that. Sounds like him. Yeah. It sounds like that. Like, congratulations, officers. You done good today. They're like, oh, my God, what the fuck? It, they did upgrade the charges. Originally, they were charging him with something lesser than murder one. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I As remember thinking that doesn't sound right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's- now he's up for full straight on premeditated murder one. Mm-hmm. And he's still in prison here in Minnesota, right? I hope oh. you don't take offense of me like mimicking the accent. It was just. Oh, like, no, I love it. <laughs> Lori, has the, Lori had the classic Minnesota accent Stereotypical. that you would see. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm not a native Minnesotan. I don't take offense okay. to it. I'm just, no yeah. offense to any Minnesotans. Do we know when his trial's going to be? I haven't looked it up lately. I haven't. The last thing I looked up was the last thing I saw was that the charges had been done. Oh, I think he'd still be in the county jail. That's a long time yeah. to be in county. Yeah, first degree murder. I don't think they'll send you to prison until you're actually convicted of a felony. You can go for a 90 day hold and they can keep you at the prison if they think sending you back to county and you're on murder. Yeah, they have to do like a rotation thing. He can't go to the workhouse because he's not going to work anytime soon. They have to do a rotation. So either he's going to different counties or they have him in stationary one. And like one day a month, he goes to a county and then comes back or something like that. Okay. I know that there's provisions like that in some situations. They're like, if you're supposed to be in some place for an extended amount of time, they do have to move you a little bit. Looks like he went for his first appearance at the end of January. Mm -hmm. We're still at the same spot, but except for... We are at the same spot then. They upgraded his first degree murder. Yep. That's good. If he knew that he was going to do this, why would it be anything other than that? What's so scary, Krista, is the amount of years... Mm-hmm. He said that he knew it was wrong to involve Lori in his suicide, but he specifically <laughs> said that because she remarried, that's why he involved her in it. Yeah. You're right, Becca. He felt like she was property. Or mm-hmm. why did he think he could kill her? Yeah, it's like that Pharaoh thing how with the tombs where the, well, taking the cat with me, I'm taking the dog with me, I'm taking all my shit with me. Yeah. That sort of thing where it's, well, I'm going to die, so... All y'all are coming with me. Let's just mm-hmm. bury you in your car. That's clearly. I mean, you liked your car better. So what did his family think of this? Or was did he not have any family because he was so much older? I have no idea. I never spoke to him. The time that I spent with her, most of the time, we were ignoring those people in our lives. We talked about people we made up and created lives for in a fantasy world. Yeah, Lori, Lori called, I can't even remember what my name was back in the day, but she didn't know my name for a minute when I told her it was Carrie Ann, she was shocked. Yeah. Because everybody had We, their- we made up characters. Yeah. I played, I played a character called Carter Christofferson, who was a biker. That's right. Who played, yeah, and he, he was a super agent that protected the vampires while they slept, and he was like a hitman. 
and his female counterpart was a woman named Waterfall, whose real-life handler was an Abijua woman from somewhere up in your neck of the woods. And her name is Susan in real life. And I can remember that the fantasy world that we all lived in became so powerful for her that she had to step away from the game. She instant messaged me privately, like we often would, to work out plot story, plot points and, and things. We would role play as each character to have conversations that we would then transcribe. And I did this with Lori, too. We would transcribe these conversations into fiction format wow. to write our stories together. And she contacted me as Susan and explained that her psychologist was making her step away from the game because she had blurred the lines between reality and fantasy. Mm -hmm. When I told her the day before or two or three days before that I was killing off Carter because I didn't have time with my new writing career. I was selling book contracts for real. I didn't have time to write his character anymore. And I was too attached to him to let anyone else take him over and write for a good <laughs> if I can't like, have Carter. Yeah. I'm like, we have to arrange for Carter's death. And then you can team up with somebody else and Waterfall can fall in love again. She lost it. Her husband had to take her to be committed for three days. And when she came back on three days later, she says, I have to step away from the game. Oh, wow. She was literally put on a 5150 hold at the hospital because I wanted to kill a fictional character. This shit got really That's real, dudes. This shit got so real with Sherilyn Kenyon shit. I can't even tell you. Yeah. I wasn't so, in it, but these guys, wow. Yeah. So Lori and I would talk about our characters. You know, she was Wink, a squire who tended vampires while they slept and did their daylight work. And I was a biker who would help her do that. And we would write out stories where our characters interacted. And we did that to escape the fact that we were married to, as it turns out, criminal-minded assholes mm. who made us feel like less than nothing in our daily lives. In my case, he was a horribly verbally and physically abusive to my son, and I didn't have the strength to stop that. And Bob murdered Lori, and I was held hostage and raped after the divorce, or just before the divorce, after the separation. And we didn't have the strength as married women within ourselves to cry for help. And that has, that's what has to change is we have to know. I can remember sitting at a, a luncheon table, having just gone to see an apartment with a nine-year-old. That would have been nine, five, and two. My kids were nine, five, and two. I went to see this apartment that was government subsidized or it was rent controlled or something like that. It was based on your annual income, how much your rent would be. And it, it had to be maintained properly. So you knew the super was going to come when you called because they could do this because of some contract they signed with the government to build them. It was the Roscoe Apartments in Bryce, Utah. Ooh, section 32. Yeah, Sorry. something like that. You know what I'm talking about. And yeah, I had the right. application on the table in front of me and I had my higher angels on one shoulder saying, fill it out, get your kids out, protect your kids. You need to protect your kids. And my greater demons on the other shoulder going, he will kill you. You cannot escape. Go home before he knows you're missing. And I threw the application away because I couldn't afford to feed him. I couldn't afford to pay for daycare. There's no way I could do it on my own. And you know who is going to find us and make me pay for it anyway. 
But then you so did I took do my it. Kids home. Then you did and get out and you did do it on your own. I did. <laughs> my daughter, my youngest daughter was 15. And I did it because there were two dogs in the house that owned it and they weren't housebroken and she had bad lungs. And I went to my last conference. Carrie went with me. And do you remember the luggage, Carrie? Yes. We got to Denver and we got snowed on. Lori was at that conference. Yep. We went, we got to Denver. Our luggage got snowed on. We were on the airplane, stuck on the tarmac. The luggage is right there under our window. We're watching it get pounded with snow. Our suitcases are right on top. We get to Houston. We get our luggage up to the hotel room and it's damp. And I opened my case. The smell, the odor of dog urine was so strong that we had to zip it back up, seal it in plastic bags, and the hotel had to give us a new room. God, It was that bad. And that's when I, I did stand up for myself at that point. I called Keith and I said, I don't care what you have to do to get rid of those dogs. But if they're not gone before I get home, I'm leaving and I'm taking Heather with me. And his solution was to put a door at the bottom of the stairs to the basement and say that the dogs will stay in the basement from now on. Which is where my clothes were because our bedroom yeah. was in the basement. He let it slide. I was like, good enough. But it was a month later, two months later, that Carrie and I got me out of there. But that's the same thing Lori was dealing with, but not dogs. Mm-hmm. But it but, was filling into her day-to-day life. She couldn't hide it anymore. Yeah. It filled up a hotel room. And Carrie's like, how do you live like this? And I'm like, I've been living like this for 25 years. You kind of know, but you don't know. Mm-hmm. You get glimpses every once in a while, but. And she always said she was fine. That's why I don't believe her when she says she's fine. I always still yell at her and say, give me more. I need to know because I need to know. A good hider and a lot of them are. I am too. All of us are. Well, and even hiding it from ourselves. I mean, how many times have we woken up and been, holy shit, I've been in this situation for how many years? They'll tell you that you're crazy. I remember I was at Jen's house one time, and I'm sorry to say this about Becca, but her ex-boyfriend texted me that Becca was crazy, and me and Jen laughed because we're like, this, you know. Oh, yeah, because once they stop being able to manipulate you, they manipulate what people think about you. But Carrie and Jen know I'm not crazy. (laughs) Well, I am, but not that, you know. Well, if if she, some son of a bitch made Becca feel crazy, then... You know, it's a cocktail hour, right? This is a cocktail hour kind of thing. Yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a bar. That's fine. Go for it. Yeah, go for it. (laughs) Hell yeah. But, mm -hmm. but yeah, no, it's, it's pretty intense. And that was, yeah, right after we broke up and he was on a mission to convince everyone that I was close to that I was crazy, but they knew they could see the situation better than I could. So it was more, I think, of a relief for my friends when they were getting these she's crazy phone calls because they're like, oh, thank God she finally got out. I'm not going to say his name. They get <laughs> chance because we really thought he was serious about he had made some changes and they hadn't been around each other for a long time and he grew up. Yeah, that was another 10 years later thing. It was actually another one of those 10 years later, I'm going to come back and fuck up your head thing. And is this who I think it is? Krista was there for it. She's the best. Yeah. And she was my carry for the situation where it was going to see you through this crazy shit. I was like, dude, he's an asshole. Mm -hmm. But he seemed so nice. But he seemed so nice. No, first time I met him, I was like, what the fuck? You didn't like him ever? No. Mm -hmm. No. Oh, I I was in my honeymoon phase. His whole entire personality is manipulation. 
That's his entire, that's his personality he gives off. It's just manipulation. Well, and it's creepy too, because I do believe that he's an empath and he uses that to, as so he could pick, I knew he didn't like me because he knew I could see his bullshit right away. <laughs> I can't know. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was another one of those. We were together 10 years ago and I had him blocked for literally 10 years. And I was on Facebook and I'm like, oh, who have I got blocked? Oh, whatever. I unblocked him because I didn't think I'd ever hear from him again. Four hours later, four That's hours so later. Creepy. Wow. How did yeah. he know you unblocked him? Is there a thing? I don't know. Or at least really- check regularly. I know looking back, I learned a lot. I grew a lot as a person. It, it definitely tempered me for times to come. Identifying and dealing with those situations. I need to do it a third time. Like, no. But no, no, no. But I, I do understand just the horror of being, oh my God, I'm afraid for my life. I so. did it too. Well, with my, with my ex, I was only, no, it wasn't only. I mean, I was very much afraid for my life when I was being held captive in my apartment. There were there were other times that I was in fear. I mean, there were a lot of guns in our house. To this day, he's restricted from buying a firearm. Utah's good about that. that. Yeah, because we got that protective order against him after he held me in the apartment. He held my hand and took me down to the center, and then we got the restraining order. That's why he got still, because he can't have guns. That's because I'm sure of it, because he actually called me after he got remarried. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What? After he got remarried, he called me and asked if I would have the protective order lifted so he could buy a gun. And he was better. He wasn't a crazy fuck anymore. And he had a stable influence in Molly, his new wife. And I called the courthouse and asked them to lift the order. That he wasn't a bad guy anymore. That he'd, he, he'd stopped harassing me. He hadn't harassed me in years. And could he have his rights back? And that they were not going to lift it. He was barred from buying a gun. At least in the state of Utah. I was doing the same thing Lori did. Lori believed him that he was over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are, what are some takeaways? We've like hit on some. I mean, it's this is a Bustic Island episode. Wow. And- yeah. Don't ever trust him again. And now he, my ex lives in a different state now where he can buy guns. That's why he applied for jobs out of state. Is the protective order federally or just the state? It's state. It's I just watched C-SPAN for eight hours today on the Protect Our Children Act that's going through Congress right now. I didn't watch it the full eight hours. It was on in the background, most of it. There are certain things that need to be federal, like protective orders restricting gun purchases should be federal because all you have to do is cross the state line set up residence and now you can buy guns again i mean they can do it for pedos not that they really do but you know i have an uncle that was convicted of that in new hampshire and he has to register now that he lives in georgia i like that question what's the takeaway in our lives it's been women has helped the other women Mm -hmm. We have a lot of women that are in a lot of denial that a lot of women will tell women to stay. I've told people to stay because I didn't think it was that bad. I didn't know. You know, work it out. You guys have kids, you know, bullshit. You told me that. You told me when I left, Keith, that I should plan on being gone for 30 to 60 days or so. Just go ahead and stay with our friend that lived across the street from you and make him feel the pain and then go home. You told me that. But then it got to a point where there was no... There was no going back. My behavior, my behavior is what made me not be able to go back. Part of the takeaway is to 
not be shameful about the way we are treated. Mm-hmm. Or feel we shame should about not feel shame for what they do. Or feel shame about the way that you responded to that trauma either. Yeah. Your actions, yeah, may have caused the divorce or made it so that you felt that that's what you needed to do. But it's oh, like, I embraced well, my inner slut. And I'll just come straight out and say it. There's nothing wrong with that. And like, it's, it's there like is. an effect. If you're constantly being berated and told that you're a slut or you're cheating or you're doing those things, there is truth behind you. You, you keep saying it so much. Fuck it. I'm going to go do it because I might as well feel good if you're going to make me feel like shit anyways. When we first were married, immediately after the wedding, I was a hairstylist. Did you know that, Becca? I had a beautician's license in Virginia Beach. I was graduated top of my class, and I specialized in women of color. I could do just about all the styles, and I was, oh, I was so good at finger waves. And he would not let me work in that venue because he was a racist asshole. And he, once I was working in Supercuts or it was a Fantastic Sam's or something, he would not let me wear makeup or do my hair to go to work as a beautician. And yeah. when he got off work, he'd put our son in the car and he would park immediately in front of the shopping center with his headlights on, watching me for the rest of my shift. See, and that's, I mean, that's also a yeah. financial abuse aspect where they make it very, very difficult for you to hold down a job. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I got let go. Yeah. I got yeah. let go from the management position because I didn't look like I was taking care of myself. And do you know how much more money I would make working in the African-American community doing hair? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's a lot more money to be made. And I was good at it. I had a crazy ex like that. He stood outside. I worked at Caribou. And he was mad because I was working a shift with a shift supervisor who happened to be a man. Or, well... Not even somebody that I would even remotely be interested in. I was fucking 19. This person was like 30 years old. But he didn't like it. So he sat Mm -hmm. outside. Not the ex. The ex wasn't 30. The ex was the same age as me. But he sat outside. And as everybody walked into Caribou Coffee, told them that we were spitting in their drinks. Whoa. Oh, my Lord. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. It was wonderful. At Nolwood Mall. It's fucking great. Great. Ah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, when it's like this crazy level of abuse, you do kind of put up a wall because it's in a lot of ways unbelievable. You just are like, you know what? They've done worse. They've done worse. They've Mm -hmm. done worse. And that shouldn't even be the thought that's going through your head. Worse things have happened. In talking about takeaways as well, I have to share one more thing. I knew that I should leave him by the second year we were married. And I'm talking about during the second year from 13 months onward. I wanted to leave. I never was the one to make excuses for him. Oh, he's watching me at work because he loves me so much. He's protecting me. No, I thought he was being a complete and total jerk and a a-hole and it was unreasonable and he was going to get me fired. I was mad about it, but I didn't feel like there was anything I could do about it. One of the reasons being that my parents had just spent $20,000 on a wedding. My dress alone cost four grand. She had the traditional and- everything wedding. Yes. My mother made my bridesmaids turn their little heinies back around as they got to the church door opening and march back to the dressing room because they mutinied and both left their white gloves in the dressing room. It was before noon in the South. And you're going to walk down that aisle wearing white gloves, young ladies. And she paused the wedding and made them go get them. 
Okay, that this oh, was goodness. the wedding. Okay, that was a and, wedding. Yeah, how could I get divorced after my parents spent that kind of money on a wedding? Yeah, how could I do that to them? I'll tell you, ladies, if you're in that situation right now, do it. Your life is more important than how much your parents spent on your wedding or how much you spent on your wedding. Or They'd rather see parents. you happy. Your generation of parents, they were told to get married and you stay married no matter what. It don't matter if he's out on the town all night, you stay married to that man. It doesn't matter if he beats you, you stay married to that man because what are you going to do? No one's going to want you. No one's going to blah, 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 blah. Your damaged goods. Yep. Yep. So that doesn't help either. Yeah, it doesn't. But when I told my parents after I'd left that I had left and I was so ashamed, so ashamed Still thinking about the cost of the wedding 22 and a half years later. Mm -hmm. I called my mother and told her that it was over, that I'd moved out, and that I was going to get divorced. She, I could hear her breathe a sigh of relief and say, Finally. Wow. And I'm like, Are you kidding me? (laughs) Finally? She's like, Well, you know, we stopped liking him quite a while ago and we just knew that you weren't really happy but we didn't want to interfere honey there's that there's that it was not our place to say something as you just deal with it there's that <laughs> whole thing open lines of a communication are very important it breaks down the shame about it it does it does and that's that's that is such thing. a good point becca if you just talk about it you would be so relieved to know that so many parents would rather you tell them why i mean i know there are certain situations and certain cultures and things like that where it's not like that but it should be because your parents are supposed to be your safe space yeah they're supposed to be the ones Mm -hmm. to and be i need you to protect me or help me protect myself we know somebody whose mom told her to go home to somebody that was absolutely and totally abusive and her mom knew that. And she's like, well, maybe if. No, maybe if. There is no maybe if. And you, why Why are you telling your daughter this? No. So open communication, no shame. They won't fucking change. And your friends yep. will help you haul the fuck ass out of there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really glad that we focused so much on who Lori was and what her life was. She's so much more than her end, you know? Yeah. So oh, yeah. There's still people out there she wearing was- their costumes. Yeah. There are people out there still dressing in her clothes, and I hope that there's a lot of people that can learn from her story. And she was in a costume all the time. If somebody who's listening to this is wearing a costume, take it off. Talk to somebody. Tell somebody. Don't be ashamed. Even if you want to email us at Crime Juicy just to tell, just to tell somebody, it's it's a start to start getting you ready to tell who you need to tell to get you safe. Good point, Krista. Once you tell it once, it's easier to tell it again. You don't have to put any information other than your story. It's a good idea. Thank you so much for having me on and letting me share about Lori and how captivating she was. Thank you for sharing a part of her that maybe even people that knew her didn't get to know. We'll keep an eye on this case. We want to keep an eye on what happens with Bob. Because Bob's okay. Bob's not okay. Bob hasn't been okay for a while, guys. Really, the whole thing. We're yeah, not that, was our, that was that our thing. Though. We can't say it anymore. We can't say it anymore. He took that from us. He did. And Lori's not okay. And yeah. Bob's definitely not okay. He never never was okay. But Bob was never okay. And I guess 
It's hard to really, because he said he was retired. Did he have any extended fans? He sent those thumb drives to someone, so. Oh, well, yeah, he did. Hey, you know what? (laughs) Clearly he had family to send those thumb drives to. They turned those over immediately, from what I understand. So they are stable. They are stable. They think he's nuts, apparently, because they, that's why we know they exist, is they turned them over and said, oh, dear God, you know. What did Bob stop doing now? Oh, Bob. So moral of the story. Well, I guess there's really no moral of the story. Just be careful with. I don't think that Lori could have predicted that Bob was going to do this. I mean, he hid himself like a little sociopath. We had no idea. True. Yeah. As far as I know, he never lifted a hand to her. She never told me. She never showed any signs of bruising. I mean, we'd we'd video chat on... Did we ever video chat? I don't think they had video chat then. So I don't know. Maybe he did, but... I think she would have told me. People People aren't aren't property. People aren't property. And for what it's worth, I hope Billy Dethridge gets all of his shit. All of his shit. (laughs) Everything. The red toolboxes out of the garage, everything. All. It's not going to make him feel better. It's not going to make him feel better, but... No, that poor man. He's probably never going to get married again. He loved Lori ever since they were 19. Well, ever since she was 19 years old. Because he was a little bit older than her, too. If you look at their wedding picture. More mileage on the one on the left. And he never stopped loving her after they met in the Air Force. That is so sweet and, and so sad. It is. So yeah, he'll never he he's never gonna love anybody like her again. Well, and how traumatic as well. I would be terrified. I'm gonna get married and they're gonna die. Do yeah. not yeah. let your ex-husband have the key to your house. No. No. They're an ex for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my god, what if it was just we're leaving this weekend? Here's the key so you can get all your stuff out after we leave. Right. That's probably what it was. Always get you the know, keys back. Oh, but they can make a copy of those fucks. But yeah. if he hasn't left, but if it was just so that he could get his stuff, I bet she was anticipating that he would not be there till after she had left the state. Right. Right. As and it wasn't a big deal because everybody was so friendly. They'd just been playing drinking beer you know, and stuff, you know. It's growing up in Minnesota, it's that in a lot of ways. Like people will carry on complex friendships that they put a ton of effort into with people that they hate. Oh, it is it is very much so known. That's what Minnesota Nice is. Minnesota Nice is having a full-on long friendship with somebody, but wanting anytime you're not around them, you just talk mad shit about them. Everything they do is wrong. But as soon as you're in your face, oh my God, I love you so much. And I can't believe this. And I can't believe that. And everything is so great. And oh my God, you're my maid of honor and blah, 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 blah. But as soon as you turn your back, I fucking hate that bitch. Can you believe she did this? Blah, 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 blah. And it's just the way that 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 is. Hmm? What's the name of that movie? Drop Dead Gorgeous. Yes. It takes place in Minnesota. Yes, and of course it's not like like always like it, but there's such a thick culture of it. Yeah, it's not always like that. There are those people that are just like, yeah, I don't like you and we're not going to get along. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then there's the traditional Minnesotans that are like, I don't like you, but I'm going to pretend I get along with you. Because I don't want to rock the boat. The boat. Because everybody else (laughs) Don't you know. Yeah. You know, they don't do the whole bless your heart thing here. The polite, (laughs) leave me the fuck alone. They don't do that. 
No. We do that in like, Texas. Oh, yeah. I'm from Oklahoma. Bless your heart. Oh. A friend of mine recently moved here from California, and someone said, bless her heart to you, and she had this whole thing about it. She's isn't that so nice? Because everyone needs <laughs> a little blessing, and we're, should I tell, I don't know, you want to tell, like, no. they're making fun of you. They don't want to talk to you, and they're making fun of you. You just got to tell them the truth. Don't, don't, don't hide it. Huh. Yeah, New York, and it's translated into New York, it's you're too stupid to live, so. Bless your heart. Bless your heart, dear.